0: Good morning, y'all. I'm Ava, and it's an honor to worship with you. Would you remain standing as, uh, sorry, as I read our scripture for the morning. It's from the book of Acts. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gifts he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, "The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." The word of the Lord to you today. He may be seated.
1: Thanks, Ava. Well, good morning, everybody. Hope y'all are having a great Sunday so far. We had an interesting weekend in the Smith household. We are in the season of life of doing college visits. Madeline doesn't know I'm sharing this story, so she's probably hiding her face. Um, but it's a, it's a fascinating season um, as a parent because you're going to these places where you like, suddenly realize, oh, my, my kid's gonna live in this new city without me and I'm not gonna be here. Um, and it's, it's a strange feeling, but uh, there was something I realized we were at NC State University this, this weekend. Got any Wolfpack? And here, all right, (laughs) like, there you go, sport the red. Um, We got some sweatshirts and everything. Um, But one of the things I realized, like, being on a college campus is that, you know, a college campus is a deeply spiritual place. And here's what I mean by that spirituality is the realm of purpose. And if you think about it, like, institutions and whole cities uh, that are places where the next generation is flocking, coming, for what reason? to find their purpose, to go, like, who am I? Like, what story am I made to live? Like, what is great in me that I can do in the world? And so you go to these places, and there's uh, always a certain vibe, and we're kind of, like, trying to figure that out as a family, is, like, what's the right fit? But it really got me thinking about purpose, and that's what we're here to talk about this morning is... Purpose. What is our purpose? And the scripture that Ava read for us this morning, I think, is really a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples about purpose. And so I want to explore that briefly this morning, and then we're going to lead into a really tangible opportunity for you to lean into maybe a deeper purpose in God's kingdom than you ever imagined today. And so I'm excited for us and for you to have that opportunity at the end of our message. So if you can imagine like this uh, story in in Acts, um, you remember Jesus gives what I call the final commandment in Matthew 28. He says, you know, go and make disciples of all the nations. Like this is going to be your mandate, right? But in Acts, um, the story begins with Jesus in a very familiar uh, setting. He's at a table with his friends. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, he's most often not in highly religious settings. He's most often doing like ordinary things, like, like eating and sitting around fires and in boats and like walking along the way. And I love this image of Jesus with his friends and they're having this meal and they're having this conversation. And as Jesus begins to reveal like what the kingdom of God is all about, which is his central message to the disciples they begin to have this conversation about purpose. In verse six, Lord has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom. And I want us to hone in on uh, a phrase there, our kingdom. And you see as the disciples are sitting with Jesus, there's something in them that knows that they are made for a life of great significance and I think we can resonate with that because deep inside we all think that too. Like, there's something in you that you know you were made for significance in the world. And maybe that's been frustrating for you because you can't seem to figure it out. Like, what is that? And I think you could identify with the disciples in this moment. And I think that's what they're trying to get at is they want to live great significance. And they know they've been invited to walk with Jesus for three years. And you think about all that they've seen during that time. They've seen him raise people from the dead. Can you imagine like that you've been with Jesus and he's your friend and you know him and you know how he likes his fish cooked on the grill and they've seen him do these miraculous things and yet they kind of get near the end of the story and their question is, what about our kingdom? And what I hear behind that is, what about my purpose? What about my significance? Like where is it that I'm going to count in this story that you're telling Jesus? And I think in that, there's a really important Lesson for us when it comes to purpose. And that's this that our stories are really less about us than we think that they are. You see, we're not at the center of our story. It's not up to us to figure out our own purpose. And yet, I think that we often believe that. Like, the question is, what are you believing about God in that moment? And I think sometimes we think of God like he's a carnival master, you know, he's got three solo cups. And there's a ping pong pong ball under one of them. And he's like mixing it up like really fast because he's God. So it's lightning speed. And he's going, pick the right cup. And if you pick the right cup with the ping pong ball, then you have purpose. But if you pick the wrong one, you don't. And I think we think about God like that sometimes. We think about our purpose. Like it's up to us to go out there and figure out my purpose and kind of stumble through it. But that's not God. You see, it's not about us. It's not about our kingdom, it's not about our agendas, it's not really about our plans. Purpose isn't found in our kingdom. But there's a second lesson here when it comes to finding our purpose, verse 5 Jesus responds to the disciples question about what about our kingdom what about our significance in a, in kind of an oblique way in a way of Jesus he like never answers the question directly instead he says in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit in a few days power will come Upon you, and I think what we see here is that not only are our stories less about us, is our purpose really not about us, but our stories are more about God than we ever imagined. And you see, the invitation of God is that He's He's on the greatest rescue mission of in all of history. That that since the fall in Eden, He's pursuing people, and His plan is to make all things new. And His plan is that He would involve us in that process. But his plan isn't that we would participate in God's kingdom and find our purpose and do it in our own power. And I think that's the way we try to engage the realm of purpose, isn't it? Is that we do it under our own steam, that we strive instead of trust, that we're like, again, we have to figure it out. But Jesus tells the disciples, hey, you're going to understand your purpose, but it's a purpose that's going to be empowered by my very presence. The presence and the power that created the universe will be with you. And so we see our story is mostly about God and his work and his kingdom and his power and his efforts. Finally, um, we see in verse 8 an expansion of purpose. I don't know what the disciples imagined their purpose was, but I think it was pretty small. I think they kind of envisioned that, like, the temple would be rebuilt and Jesus would reign. And, like, remember earlier in some of the gospel accounts, I think we explored this a couple of weeks ago, there's this argument that takes place between the disciples. And they're like, which ones of us are going to be the greatest? You know? And I think their vision is like, we're just going to sit on some thrones and like we're going to rule and like we're going to have significance. And our purpose is going to be really clear in a short amount of time. But see, in verse eight, Jesus expands the vision for their lives, which is always what God does when we meet him. When we meet God, he never makes our stories smaller. He always makes our stories bigger than we thought. He says, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Did you know that if you are a follower of Jesus, part of your purpose is participating in God's project of redemption in the world, not just where you live, not just in your city, but to the ends of the earth. Have you ever thought about that? Like when God made you, when he formed you in your mother's womb, when he knew all of your days that part of his purpose was that you would be part of his redemptive work to the very ends of The earth. And we're going to talk about that today because I believe that that's true for us individually. I think that's also true for us as a community. And at New City, we have some very specific ways that we're going to engage our mission to the very ends of the earth. And I want to highlight three ways that we're doing this as a church. And we're going to end with a really specific ask of you today an invitation for you to participate in a story that's much bigger than maybe you ever imagined. And at New City, there's kind of three principles that are guiding us as we think about how are we going to be witnesses, image bearers, carrying the true story of the world to all of the world. Number one, we've decided we're gonna focus on specific geography. The world's a big place and we're a small community. And, and we've heard, and Travis Janusik, our serve pastors, really led the way in helping us discern where God is at work and join him there, because that's a principle, right, in experiencing God. We just studied that, that the exercise isn't, like, figure out what I'm passionate about and, like, what I can do under my own power. It's no, like, see where God is at work and pray about it and discern together as leaders and then go join him there. And so Travis has led us in, in the last couple of years in discerning that a place where, for a lot of reasons, we've got like partners there, and, and there's some interesting things happening in this part of the world, but it's East Africa. Is that New City is going to focus our work to the ends of the earth in East Africa. Well, why East Africa? Well, number one is, did you know by the year 2050, one in four people on the planet Earth will be African? What's happening is, as Western civilization, our birth rates are are lowering, our populations are shrinking. The opposite is happening on the African continent. The population's exploding. And so if we think about, like, what does God care about most in the world? The answer is really simple, people. So where there's more people, we want to pay attention to that, that maybe that's a space that God is drawing us. But number two, did you know that over the last 100 years, there's been a 6,000% increase in the number of Christians on the African continent, 6,000%. Just for the record, that's the most prolific growth in the Christian faith in the history of the world happening in our time in a place that, for technological and resource reasons, is now accessible to us. So we're going to focus on East Africa, a very specific geographic area. Second, Our second principle is we're going to start our efforts to the ends of the earth by focusing our work on the local church. Why are we doing that? We believe that the scriptures are really clear that where two or more are gathered in in the name of Jesus, there he is with them and that there's a special power in, in the way that when we gather, did you know the word church in Greek is ecclesia? It just simply means the gathered people, the gathering. And so this morning what you're doing is you're being the ecclesia, you're being the church. And and it's not just a space for a lecture or connection or community. There's something deeply spiritual and powerful when we gather in the name of Jesus. And the scriptures teach us that this is God's plan to bring about his redemptive work in the world. is by the gathering of his people in specific geographic places, in, in neighborhoods and cities and towns, that people might encounter the people of God and experience his presence, the Holy Spirit. And they might meet him there. And so our strategy as we think about um, moving into the, to the ends of the earth is to first and foremost focus on the local church. But number three is that we don't want to just stop with the local gathering because that's not the full vision of the gospel. We want to also focus on the whole person. Did you know that Jesus did holistic ministry? He was a teacher. He was a preacher. But guess what else he was? He, a healer. A third of his ministry was, was, was really medical ministry. It was health care Why did he do that? Because you see, the mission of Jesus was to proclaim the kingdom of God. In other words, at the very end of the story, what does it look like? And Jesus is, when he's healing people and raising people from the dead, what he's saying is, this is a foretaste of things to come, that when we sometimes need to hear the good news, other times we need to experience the good news, And so we believe in the same way because we're followers of Jesus, we want to do what Jesus did is we want to meet the holistic needs of people where there's suffering and there's in pain and there's poverty. Like we want to move towards people in those places with intentionality that they might know him, that they might experience a taste of the kingdom to come when Jesus makes all things new when he returns. But you see, We wanna do that in a particular way and we wanna do that through partnerships. Because in the kingdom, our calling is to be the ecclesia, to be the gathered local church and to participate in the kingdom. But you know, there's organizations who've made their entire mission in life to meet very particular needs. And I wanna talk about that for a minute. And so what I wanna show you is a picture. This is what that looks like in our city as we're the church and we have all these partners. We have foster care partners, we have other partners, we have schools that we're working through to meet the holistic needs of, of people that they might know Jesus. But the next thing I want to show you is what, what does that look like in East Africa? Well, first of all, it looks like, and if we can go to the next slide, we have something called the Timothy Initiative, which is an organization that focuses on planting local churches and raising up local pastors. And this is going to be the centerpiece of our effort as we begin to engage in holistic ministry in East Africa, is we want to be a part of growing local churches But we don't want to stop there. We're going to partner with these other organizations that we might not just be the voice of the good news, but be the hands and feet of the good news as well. St. Francis of Assisi put it this way. He said, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. So I'm going to highlight one of those today, and that's Compassion International, And I love their name because, you know, the word compassion means coming alongside those in suffering. And you're going to hear a story here in a minute of what compassion does and how they do that and how they partner with a local church to make that happen. And then you're going to hear, before you leave today, an invitation to come and participate and be part of what God's doing, part of his project to the very end of the earth. So here's what I hope... You've heard this morning. You were made to live a story of significance. But it's less about you and it's more about God and it's way bigger than you ever imagined. And I hope you are encouraged by that as you take that in and you don't have to spend your life striving to figure it out. You just have to see where God's at work and join him there and you're part of a community of people that are trying to do that. And so I wanna invite up now My new friend Cecilia uh, Nyamwanda, and I've told—I'm not pronouncing her name correctly. Apologize, Um, but Cecilia has a beautiful story—a story about her life, um, about Jesus, and about how um, compassion and some friends were were part of um, her story of the gospel. So, Cecilia, thank you for being here with us this morning.
0: Thank you. Oh, good morning. Oh, it's still morning, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I will just help him out with my last name, because he's not butchered it, but he's tried many times to get it. (laughs) My last name is Nyamwanda, and I'm so grateful to stand here um, this morning. I am originally from Kenya, uh, East Africa, but I currently live in Memphis, Tennessee, and um, Uh, My story today is about God's faithfulness, God's goodness, and I'm just standing here because God changes stories. When he talked about stories and our stories not being about us, that to me really resonates because my story today is not about me. It's about what God has done in my life. It's more about who he is and who he has been through the years. So I hope that that by the time I'm out of here, you will really, really know that God is good and God is faithful in everything that He does, and He is God. As I stand here, I have in my hand what we call a child packet. When He was talking about compassion, you'll see tables everywhere and you'll be seeing these packets there. Um, many, many years ago, I was a face on one of these packets. But I'm standing here today because God is good, because God is faithful. And um, I grew up in Kenya, in a village in Western Kenya. I grew up, I was in a large family. We were initially 10 children. My parents didn't have a source of income. What they did was subsistence farming, meaning they grew things on the farm. If anything grew, we had food. And many times we went without food. Both of my parents were alcoholics, so many times they would disappear from home. They would go drinking somewhere. Um, When they came back home, it was all fighting and chaos at home. Our home was known for all the wrong reasons. It was either our parents were not there, and whenever they were there, they were either drunk or fighting. But I'm grateful because God changes stories. And God uses people to rewrite the stories of our lives. Today I'm going to um, share with you a few people that God placed in different stages in my life that have enabled me to be standing here today. The first person I'm going to talk about is my uncle, uh, my mother's brother. And um, he came home uh, one day. And he told my mom that he was going to help her. Just a little background, my uncle was the only one in his family who had gone to school. My parents did not go to school. So they did not see the need of education or emphasize the need of education for my siblings and I. So my uncle knew the importance of education. So he told my mom that our family could not go on like that. We were known for all the wrong reasons. But he told her that he was going to help her by taking one of her children and going with this child to the city in Nairobi. He was going to live with this child and put this child in school. And he hoped that one day this child will come back and change that family. So you can guess which child he picked, right? So he took me with him and true to his word, He put me in school, but he could not keep me in school. School back then was not free. It's not free now either. But it was not a lot of money, but my uncle could not afford to pay for me and my cousins to stay in school. So many times I would go to school and they would tell me that I've not finished paying my tuition money, so I should go home and bring the money. So you'd go to school there's a whole parade right they call the kids who've not finished paying they tell you to go home and bring the money i was always on that list so <laughs> i would go home i know there's no money so i stayed there for some time then i think okay maybe they forgot that i owe the money let me go back to school <laughs> i go back to school and know they've not forgotten so i go back home again i stay there for some time back and forth back and forth and um I really wanted to stay in school because for us, before I moved to my uncle's home, I would, uh, in the village, we would see other kids go to school, but we would stay home because we would wake up, our parents sometimes were not there. We had nobody helping us even to go to school. So I really wanted to stay in school. And I'm grateful for my grade three teacher who decided that there was no point in sending me home They would just rather let me stay in school because even if I go home, there was no money. So she decided that when other kids were being sent home, she would let me stay in school and study and learn. And I am so grateful for that. The reason I'm grateful for her is because, as you heard, Compassion International works with the local church. And what they do is that they have compassion projects in all of these local churches in different parts of the country. So me being in Nairobi, I was close to a Compassion Project. And uh, my school was also close to a Compassion Project. So in the Compassion Project, they have social workers who know the community. The people who can get out of the project, go to the community and look for needy children. So one day, they happened to come to my school. I don't even think I was in school that day. But guess who gave them my name? My grade three teacher. And they looked for me, they found me, I was at home. My, they interviewed my aunt, because you would not just get into the program, they would have to make sure that there was a need. And from there, I got enrolled in the compassion program around the age of nine, and that is when my life began to change. I am so grateful for having gone through the compassion program, because from there, I did not just go to school, but I was able to stay in school. Whenever I was sick, I could get medical care. I do not take that for granted because I lost two brothers, two diseases that were preventable, but we could not afford medical care in the village. So for me to be able to just go to get screening, medical screening, or just go to a hospital when I was sick, that is something I do not take for granted. Sponsorship with Compassion currently is at $43. Well don't try guessing my age but a few <laughs> when I was being <laughs> sponsored it was about $38 a month and you would ask yourself what does that $38 or $43 a month do 43 or $38 a month is the reason that I'm standing here today because someone gave sacrificially and lovingly to ensure that I dream, that I could have a future, that I could be somebody. I'm grateful for my sponsors, Bob and Colleen Staggs, for them uh, deciding to sponsor me. They're from Ames, Iowa. So, somewhere north. Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> but Bob and Colleen Stags changed my life. When you sponsor a child with compassion, it's about relationships. You get to know that child on a one-on-one basis. You get to write them letters. You can also visit them at some point and get to see where they live. My sponsors wrote a lot to me. And one of the things that helped me through my entire life, well, I'm still young, but one of the things that helped me was their letters because in their letters, they always told me how much they loved me, how much they were praying for me. And I could not understand many years then back how someone I did not know, someone who had never met me, who lived many, many thousands of miles away, would care for someone like me, (laughs) living in extreme poverty, who didn't even know that I would be somebody. But there they were telling me how much they loved me, how much they were praying for me, and that I could be somebody because they were there for me. I remember many times in my life um, when I felt like giving up. The only thing that kept me going were my sponsor's letters that I would spread out and read over and over and over. And I would get up and continue. And one of the reasons that I'm here today is because of their sponsorship. I'm grateful because for their sponsorship, I was able to stay in school not just go to school, but stay in school, uh, and completed my elementary education through Compassion. I went to high school uh, through Compassion, because we could not afford to pay for it. And um, from there, Compassion International started another program, which was the leadership development program that enabled me to go to college. I went to the University of Nairobi and pursued a bachelor's degree in physics. And uh, after that, I graduated from the Compassion Program. I'm not going to tell you my age, but (laughs) from I got a scholarship to go to Italy for two years to pursue a postgraduate diploma in physics. And in 2011, I was able to get another scholarship to come to the University of Nairobi uh, of Memphis, sorry, in Tennessee, to pursue a PhD in geophysics, which, by the grace of God, I completed in December of 2015. I am grateful to God. (laughs) I am grateful for a God who changes lives, a God who changes stories. Because who would have thought that a girl living somewhere in extreme poverty who grew up in a village in Western Kenya would be in America today and pursue a a PhD in geophysics. Um, One of the things that I would like to share with you today is because I was able to learn the word of God from the project and give my life to Jesus because of going to the Compassion project. My family, none of them really went to church or knew about God. But by me going to the project, I was able to know about God's love. And I'm grateful that that is what has kept me this far. I'm going to share with you just a few pictures that I brought with me today. Um, The first slide, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Uh, So that's me many, many years ago. And uh, that picture was one of the, uh, when we get in the compassion program, they always take pictures like updates on how you're growing and everything. So this is one of those pictures that are taken at the project. The next one, I will show you what our typical day at home or in the village would look like. You'd go wake up in the morning, go looking for water, miles and miles away. Uh, That water might not be clean, but you'd take it home to be able to use it for different uh, things. We would go look for firewood and try to make a meal out of it. If it rains, it's really, really hard to get a fire going. And that's how we would carry the water uh, on our heads after going to look for it. That, uh, at the far left bottom, that's a typical classroom in Kenya that I went to, that we would sit, like there were no resources, not so many, but we would sit there, we would share whatever we had. And I remember sometimes you don't have even a pencil to write with and your friend would cut hers into half and give you the other end so you could sharpen it and both of you can share that. My next slide picture, who show my sponsors, Bob and Colleen Staggs. Um, I met my sponsors in 2011 when I came to Memphis, Tennessee. They drove from Ames, Iowa, to Memphis, Tennessee to come spend a day with me. I had never met my sponsors before. This was the first time I was meeting them in person. And this was just a time for me to say thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for me over the years. Thank you for giving so that I could hope. Thank you for giving so I could dream. And I remember <laughs> they introduced me to a very nice fried chicken place. If you're ever in Memphis, go to Gus Fried Chicken. It's very good. And uh, I didn't even know about it, but they knew. And they're from Ames, Iowa. And <laughs> I I am so grateful for Bob and Colleen Stags. and. Um, one of the things my sponsors always wrote about was she always had to put uh, something about her garden. She was always planting something. So every letter, she would write about this garden. And anytime I got, because they wrote a lot, anytime I got a letter, I would skip to, okay, which part is she talking about the garden? Every letter she would <laughs> write about it. And I, I, in my mind, I, I wish that one day I would see that garden because every letter she would write about it the next slide we did get to drive to Ames ior uh, with my husband one spring break uh 2012 and here i am sitting at my sponsor's kitchen table reading my letters that i used to write to them when i was a kid in the compassion project they had all the pictures and all the letters that compassion had ever sent to them. They had a folder called Cecilia. Everything that they ever received from me. And I did see the garden. There was nothing growing in it. But but I saw the garden. My next slide will be um, God's faithfulness. That a child living in poverty, someone like Marken, who is in the Dominican Republic today, would have someone who doesn't even know them, pick their pocket and say, I'm going to sponsor Cecilia. My sponsors told me that when they decided to sponsor me, they were looking for two things. One, they were looking for a boy, and they were looking for a boy who shared a birthday with their grandson. They picked my pocket. They went home with it. I had short hair back then. But they did not return that packet. They decided to stick with me. And they stuck with me for a very long time. And I'm so grateful that God provided that opportunity for them to be in my life. And um, this is just to show that God is indeed faithful. That no matter what, he is faithful. He changes stories. He can use anyone to transform uh, your life. My last slide today... Uh, is something that really speaks so close and to my heart today. Um, so last year, um, um end of May, uh, that's my daughter Angela Angie and my husband Philip. <laughs> last year, um, we took a trip to go to Kenya and, um, I would say that two years before that, in 2021, my dad had passed away. And um, one of the things I'm grateful for is that my dad did not die as a drunkard. But God had transformed his life. He had come to know Jesus. And I'm just grateful that God changed that part of our family story. Uh, My mom and my dad knew Jesus, and my mom still knows and loves Jesus and serves him even now. But my dad had passed away in 2021, so we decided to go home um, last year. And um, we went home, we stayed for almost one month, and uh, two days before we were to come back, on a Thursday, um, my daughter got sick, and uh, we took her to hospital in Kenya, and um, we told them, you know, we'd been in Kenya for like a month, so we like, test for malaria, test, you know, because we thought maybe it was malaria. And um, they did a test, they said uh, it was negative, so they say maybe she has bacterial infection, and we don't even know what that means. But they gave us some medication, and uh, we, two days later, we were on our way back to Memphis from Nairobi, And um, we got to Detroit on Saturday. No, on Sunday. We left Saturday. Uh, We got to Detroit on Sunday evening, and we thought we would make it home by Monday morning, so we could at least take her to hospital for further tests. And um, that Sunday night evening, we were waiting for our flight, and uh, weather-related issues began. So we could not make it home that Sunday. We could not even get a flight to come back Monday. We, the next flight we got was on a Tuesday, um, Tuesday noon. So we had to get a place to stay We at a hotel uh, in Detroit. And um, that Tuesday morning, um, she passed away. She was six years old. And... Um, <coughs> we still do not really know what happened. And um, as we were singing this morning, I maybe I couldn't share this in the morning, but one of the songs we sang today was my daughter's favorite song, Graves Into Gardens. (laughs) And the best part that she loved was put me back together. That was the phrase. Anytime she had that song come up on K-Love, she would say, hey, put me back together. And that has been our prayer, and that is what God has been doing for us, trying to put us back together. Um, When that song was playing, I was just thinking of how faithful God is. And um, today, as I stand here, I'm here because God is good. That no matter what, he remains good. It is hard, (laughs) but he remains good. And that is the hope that we have today. As I end, I would just like to say thank you for allowing me to share today. And um, today as we think about all these children out here, let us partner together to help speak life, speak hope. Help them know that there's somebody out there who cares for them, who prays for them who can be with them along life's journey because that is what my sponsors did for me. I'm grateful that I can stand today because I know that Jesus is Lord and he remains good in everything. And he has released me from poverty in Jesus' name. God bless you so much. Thank you.
2: If you can stay standing, please. Um, I've heard the story twice now, and I'm still not sure what to do with it all, other than to reiterate what you say, which is God is good, and thank you for sharing, um, Cecilia. I can't thank you enough for being here today. Um, I'm going to continue processing your story throughout the week, um, and I fully can't under I can't understand all of it, and yet I'm amazed by it. Um, here in a minute, I want to talk to you about this step here, but I, I don't want to lose the moment, and I just would love for, as a I, I know each of you would agree, you've been blessed this morning uh, by her story. Can you join me in blessing her? And let's pray for her, and um, particularly with uh, the the struggle you're going through right now, and I appreciate the honesty there. Let's pray. <coughs> yeah, Jesus. There's never been an author or storyteller better than you. I've yet to read a story quite like yours, a story that is, is beautiful and amazing, and yet it's difficult. It, it really is beauty from ashes. And it has been our complete joy to be here this morning and to hear one of those chapters, one of those people, one of those characters in that story named Cecilia. And how you brought others into her life, strategically, lovingly, who answered that call to say, I want to do something. I want to thank you so much for the story that you wrote for her, the story that she's in, and the story that's not over. We, We know that more is to come. Father, I thank you for her family. I thank you for that picture up there. I thank you for her husband, and I thank you for her daughter, who I, I know right now is enjoying the presence of you. And I know, Jesus, I believe that reunion is coming, that joy will happen again. And yet in that, in that time period, Father, would you give Cecilia and her husband or her family um, the, the hope of the Holy Spirit, which is to trust you, to believe you, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense. Father, you've, you've shown her the amazing power that you can do. And I thank you that her story has encouraged us. And I hope that she knows that. I hope that her presence here today, I know for me, and I hope for many, has brought me closer to you and, and a love and appreciation for you. And Father, as she travels back to Memphis, would you give her safety and grace, and may her ministry continue to expand. We love you. We thank you. And everybody said amen. Can you get up for Cecilia again? Thank you. Thank you. You can have a quick seat. Um, I'm going to do this quick as I can here. Um, so What? So what 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 is, what do we do with all this it's an amazing story and I don't know what God's necessarily telling you kind of how you're moved uh, but we at least want to present a, a way for you to think about how you can t- take a step forward and being a part of what what Gabe introduced to us. This entering into where we feel God is leading. That's what this is all about. It is. It comes back to the idea of story that God is saying, I'm writing a story. I'm writing a story for me and you individually. I'm writing a story for uh, New City. I'm writing a story for the the entire world. And it's really amazing when we get the chance to see how those dots connect to one another. If I can for just one. One minute affirm i had the extreme privilege of getting to go to ecuador this past august to visit compassion and see how the programs work and it's the same in ecuador as it is in africa and all around the world or at least the majority of it is um, and i got to see this firsthand um, i got to see children who are impacted i got to see families that were impacted and i got to see the church themselves and here, here's what i'll say of the 10,000 things you could say, the one thing that I'll, I'll affirm more than anything is that uh, compassion has come alongside the local churches in these areas in an extremely powerful way. Listen, when, when we go on trips and we go to the other sides of the world and we engage with it, it's really good and it's amazing, but ultimately we're going to leave. But it's the people, it's the leaders, it's the pastors, it's the volunteers in these places that that are there day in and day out. And what impressed me the most about the Compassion Initiative is is they come alongside these pastors and these leaders in their communities that, that are wanting to release people out of poverty, that are wanting to engage people with the gospel, and they say, how can we help? How can we come alongside you to help you reach the people? And that was the most amazing thing for me to see. And, and if you choose to participate today in that, I, I want you to hear that that's really what you're getting to do. Yes, you will connect to a, a single child, and that's beautiful and amazing, and I'm, you just heard 15 minutes of proof there. You also get to connect with a, a bigger ministry, the the local church that's engaging these communities and all around the world. So. Here, here's how this works, all right? This is just, a, I won't give you every single detail, but as, as you saw when you walked in, we've got five different tables around the church with lots of different kids on them, all right? Our goal here today between Matthews and South Park is to sponsor over 200 kids. We've got four countries represented. Our three East African countries are Uganda, kenya and rwanda and then we've also got one more uh, closer to us in the dominican republic and so we invite you to think about what that could look like but let me explain how this works for you here so every child's packet has three parts to it here so you'll see on the first here, you see this uh, young kid, Markin. You'll get their name, where they live, birthday, things like that, along with um, some of their uh, initial or most important uh, issues they're facing. For instance, uh, Markin is at risk for food insecurity, but there's other things. Below that is a little bit more of a biography, just gives you a little bit about his story. And then on the back of that, you'll see how Compassion works. So, you, you heard the $43, and of course, the, the most common question that is asked is, well, you know, what does that go for? What does that go towards? Um, compassion is, is required to keep over 80 cents per dollar has to go towards the child, and then the rest goes towards administrative fee to help print things like this. But let me give you just a quick glimpse of how uh, the money would break down for you. So, you, you'll see this on your packet. I'll highlight a few, but your monthly support that will be given, $43, will help to one support malnutrition. So uh, a common misbelief uh, about pe- uh, children in poverty is that they die from starvation. That's not true. The majority of kids die from malnutrition, okay, and there's a difference there, um, but it's not because there's no food. It's it's poor food. It's it's a lack of good quality food. So m- it helps do that. It, it provides health care and immunizations it provides education as you heard Um, most most if not all of these countries um, and these these kids go to schools that require a fee it's not like the united states here where every kid can go for free every one of these countries even in the most poor areas have to pay money to go to school and you'd be shocked at the numbers of kids who cannot afford even a dollar a day 50 cents a day some even are at five dollars a month for some of these kids your money will help to do that. As you heard, they'll also be engaged with the gospel. One of the cool things that I got to see firsthand is that all of these Compassion kids, they are coming to the local church at least once, if not two to three times a week for close to eight hours, where they're getting all sorts of education help, discipleship, food, all these amazing things. All that money is helping to achieve that. And then finally, you'll see, as, as part of the sponsorship, as you heard, it's really about relationship. It's really about you connecting and being able to write letters and, and to really get to know your, your child, even if they are halfway across the world here. So $43, dollars will get that. Uh, another way that you can do that, um, you if you're watching online or if you want to do it later, there is a text. Uh, you can text NCC to 83393. That's one way you can do it. The other way that we encourage you, though, is... Um, If you go to the packet, which I assume most of you will want to do here, the the quickest, easiest ways is on the very bottom of the packet here is the info that compassion needs, okay? This is where you will fill out your personal information along with your credit card information. You can also, if you prefer, there's a simple QR code here, which is what I prefer to use, um, but you're free to do whatever you want. Um, That QR code will take you to this child where you can fill out all of your payment information, and then once you get it set up, um, Compassion will reach out to you, get you set up with an online account, and answer all those questions for you. Here's my one big thing that they asked is, if you're still undecided today, that is totally fine. That's not a problem, um, but what we can't have is we cannot take these Packets home until the bottom has been filled out or even if you do it on the qr code um, the reason is that helps compassion stay organized so once you have filled out the bottom portion or you have completed the qr code you can t- tear the bottom piece off you'll give that to us and then you can take this home for you so let me just end by saying this um, god is at work we'll come back to this The simple phrase is Where is God moving, and how do we join in? The the good news is he is at work, and we really feel as a church that God has provided a story for us to pursue, and so I challenge all of us, myself included, to consider how could we join in, and we invite you to think about and pray about this being an incredible option for you. You know, I'll I'll say this too. As part of our strategy, you know, we we want to take trips. We've taken a few trips to Africa. We're going to be taking trips to the Dominican Republic, and we hope to see a New City be able to go and visit a lot of those global partners. And while you're there, maybe even get to connect with your kid. With that being said, can we close by standing together in prayer? Um, as Gabe was really encouraging us this morning, I I want to as well that. We are a part of a story. There is your story. There is our story. There is the global story. And each and every one of us are meant to be a part of it. God doesn't forget about us. He doesn't look at you and say, you're less important. He says, I've called all of us. He said, go and make disciples. That's our mission. Then he said, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to go into the ends of the world. And we live in a time now where we can be engaged in the global scene in ways like never before. Let's join in prayer. Jesus, again, we're thankful for the story. We're thankful for the fact that you look on this community here, in this building here in Matthews, North Carolina, and you know every one of us by name. You have a plan for each and every one of us in this room, and you're inviting us into not just our own personal story, but into the entire story of the world. Father, what's what's amazing to think about is that for those of us who know Jesus, that one day— We will all stand in heaven, and we will see people that we've never known about, never met, and yet we all, as different as we may be, our skin colors, our cultures, our language, everything, as different as those may be, we have this one single unity, and that's you. Father, this today around the world, we have churches gathered in buildings, we have churches gathered under trees, we have churches in huts. We even have some underground for fear of persecution. And yet, we find unity in you. And we ask that today that you would give us guidance as individuals as to know how we engage in that. Thank you for this wonderful time together today. We love you and we thank you. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, feel free, we have five tables spread around the campus here, two here, two in the lobby, and then one at NextGen, if you have any questions, any of those table volunteers will be glad to help you. Thank you, New City, go in peace.